Good afternoon and welcome to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. Coming up this afternoon, Michael Young, president of Canada Beef, offers a few comments from Thursday's Beef Industry Town Hall. And part two of my conversation with Alex Campbell about the Manitoba Agricultural Museum's interpretive press release series on homesteading. The latest farm news and market numbers coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Marie-France McKinnon, the Vice President of Public Affairs and Communication for the Canadian Meat Council, participated in yesterday's Beef Industry Round Table. COVID-19 has affected every business in every sector and every part of our supply chain. Food production is essential to ensure Canadians have access to meat at their local grocery stores to feed their families. So now more than ever, we need to keep our supply chain strong. Our members, meat processors across the country, have been working diligently and collaboratively with CFIA and public health officials to take comprehensive measures to reduce the potential spread of COVID-19 in their facilities. I think it goes without saying that the health and safety of plant employees, and therefore their local communities, is the utmost uh, priority. These are unprecedented times, and we're adjusting day by day as we all learn how to best protect our employees and inspectors based on the information that comes out, frankly, daily. Our members share their social responsibility as an industry. Everyone has taken off their competitive business hat and really pulled together in sharing best practices to protect our food supply because we're all in this together. Our members are really focused on employee and inspector safety. After all, these workers produce food for our country. Unfortunately, in the past week, we've had two plants affected with COVID-19, but both have been dealing with their health, local health officials and CFIA and mitigating the spread to their facilities, but also to their communities. So while we're all working from guiding principles, the solutions are really unique to each facility and our members are adjusting their business operations daily. Members have been working with their local health officials and CFIA guidance to ensure that social distancing is put in place in all their facilities and everyone has their own contingency plan to address the threat of COVID-19. Each plant is following the advice of their local and provincial health officers and increasing all sanitary measures, above and beyond what takes place on a normal basis. Measures include self-monitoring, taking temperatures of employees before the start of each workday, additional cleaning and disinfection for high-touch surfaces by dedicated personnel, monitoring of appropriate hand-washing with soap and water by quality assurance staff, and the requirement for employees to obviously, like all Canadians, to self-monitor during work time and not to come to work if they observe any symptoms. Social distancing is being addressed through adding space to lines wherever possible, installing plexiglass dividers, providing additional protective masks for workers and inspectors, staggering break times, adding more areas for lunch breaks. Many members have even installed uh, tents outside of their facilities in order to give staff somewhere else to go and to get more distance. Companies are really going out of their way to protect their workers and the inspectors. Food safety is paramount and has always been the first priority in food production operations in Canada. Canadians can be assured that there is no food safety concern. Meat is safe to eat. 
There is no reports or evidence to support the transmission of COVID-19 associated with food or food packaging. Industry and government are really working together to ensure food and health safety measures are respected to keep processing plants open, to keep supplying food for Canadians. Our members will keep working very closely with all local public health authority with CFIA to maintain the supply chain going strong. We need to keep our employees and inspectors working. We need everybody safe because we have a country to feed. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Time for a look at today's farm news. I'm Candace Dirksen. The president of Ag Resource Company in Chicago doesn't think the COVID-19 outbreak will have much of an impact on the latest USDA seeding intention numbers. Dan Bossy feels Mother Nature will play a bigger role. But we are seeing farmers who are switching away from corn to possibly soybeans. Maybe in a million acres could go from one to the other. But at this late date, U.S. farmers are somewhat uh, locked in upon their intentions because of revenue insurance. So there may be some changes around the fringe, but I don't think they'll be big unless, again, we have another very uh, inclement wet spring like we had last year. The odds aren't in that favor, but that's what it would take to kind of jostle around the numbers as we see them today. The March 31st report indicated a corn-planted acreage in the United States is up 8% from 2019 to an estimated 97 million acres. Soybean acreage climbed 10% to an estimated 83.5 million acres. After a miserable year due to bad weather and trade wars, Manitoba farmers are wondering if the effects of COVID-19 will make it worse. The group Keystone Agricultural Producers is worried about labor availability for spring seeding. Normally, thousands of seasonal and temporary workers come to Canada to work in the agriculture industry. But Camp President Bill Campbell says if they don't get enough workers, it will have a big impact on farm operations. Ottawa has said migrant workers can still be hired, but must self-isolate for two weeks upon arrival. And pastures across Manitoba took a real beating last year thanks to a combination of dry conditions and feed shortages. According to John McGregor, extension support person with Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. Considering that, he offered up a few tips on knowing when to put cattle out to pasture this spring. And so ideally what uh, producers would be looking at is putting cattle out on pasture when it's six to eight inches tall. Now, that may not be practical if you're starting to run out of feed, but um, by giving the pasture a chance to get to that height, it does give the roots a chance to replenish, and uh, uh, once they're grazed, then cattle can uh, go back uh, after they've grazed it a bit, and they can set up a very good rotational system. Meantime, McGregor notes feed supplies varied throughout the province this winter. That was a look at your farm news for today. I'm Candace Dirksen. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Friday, April 3rd. I'm Candace Dirksen. Coming up today, we'll hear from Michael Young, the president of Canada Beef, following yesterday's Beef Industry Town Hall on COVID-19. A town hall meeting yesterday offered updates on the current beef industry situation in Canada during the COVID-19 pandemic. Michael Young, president of Canada Beef, says the outbreak has had and will continue to have an impact on agriculture and the agri-food industry. 
Unlike many previous disease outbreak issues, COVID-19 has been about has not been about food safety or consumer confidence issues with, with food products, but rather has been about the effects of social distancing strategies and their impact on food production, distribution, and consumer lifestyle factors. COVID-19 has significantly affected the domestic market and all export markets for Canadian beef. While the impacts of COVID-19 are felt throughout the world, the value chain, today I'm going to focus on the impact downstream from primary and secondary processing to the consumer and the Canadian and, and what Canada beef is doing in the global marketplace to support our products and user clients and their customers. Given the evolving COVID-19 reality, Canada beef consumer marketing efforts have pivoted with the changing landscape that we find ourselves in. Prior to the outbreak COVID-19, Canada beef had developed two parallel consumer ground beef marketing campaigns themed Crave and Trust to be launched in March 2020. Crave speaking to the culinary enjoyment of beef and Trust speaking to the cattle producer and systems that produce our high quality beef. With current self-isolation practices, consumers have stocked up on beef and are now at home cooking in their kitchens more than ever. They are needing recipes, inspiration, distraction, and cooking know-how information. Consequently, Canada Beef has modified the campaign to emphasize those elements that speak to home preparation and build culinary skills. Canada Beef's web traffic has seen significant increases as consumer access our culinary resources. CanadaBeef.ca has seen a 66% increase in total users. That's over 93,000 and 73% increase in new users of the website in March compared to the same time last year. ThinkBeef.ca has seen a 450% lift in monthly visits up by 13,000 visits comparing traffic in February to the month of March. Canada Beef, in conjunction with a number of other national commodity organizations, has developed a consumer safe handling COVID-19 fact sheet. The resource focuses on the actions consumers can take to manage food-related risk at home. This resource has been shared with retail and food service clients and is available on our website. Canada Beef has also worked with other national commodity organizations to produce and distribute a trade-facing resource focusing on safeguarding Canadian meat supply. This fact sheet outlines the measures taken by the Canadian meat industry to protect against COVID-19 at the primary and secondary processing level. This resource has been translated into eight languages and distributed throughout Canada and to all key markets that are important to Canada. The team is also putting the final touches on two videos that reflect and support the theme of securing Canada's beef supply from both a producer and a primary processing point of view. We hope to provide reassurance to Canadians and global customers about the safety of beef and the actions being taken to protect the health of workers to ensure a stable beef supply. The videos will be available on the Canadian Beef website no later than Monday, April 6th. They're called Securing uh, Canadian Beef Supply Part 1, a cattle producer perspective, and Securing the Canadian Beef Supply Part 2, which is a producer, uh, a beef processor perspective. 
The retail and food service sectors have both faced different but significant challenges as a result of COVID-19. Beef demand at retail is up significantly, 50 to 75%. Consumers have aggressively stocked up on groceries and supplies for home. Unfortunately, the food service and hospitality sector has been hit the hardest with reports from 50 to 90% decreases in demand depending on the category. Restaurants close outright or close to the in-house service and only provide takeout and delivery. Engage with our clients, customers has been complicated as many companies have been implemented or have implemented work from home strategies and have ceased all outside meetings, conferences and trade shows. As many are focused strictly on immediate priority issues and have paused in medium and long-term planning and scheduling. It's too early to know what the impact of COVID-19 has been on retail food prices. What we do know so far is that supply chain is working very hard to keep shelves full. Current prices are a reflection of the supply and demand situation as consumers have been stocking up on food and supplies. This is expected to be short term as the supply chain will adjust to meet demand and the pace of retail purchases normalizes. Most of our key international export markets have been experiencing similar conditions to our domestic retail and food service partners with strong retail demand and falling food service demand as those countries pursue similar social distancing protocols. Many of these markets are um, making do with dwindling supplies of imported food products due to the impact of COVID-19 on labor availability at port facilities and transportation. All of Canada Beef's domestic and international employees are primarily working remotely and are following direction and advice from local government authorities as each country exercises their particular risk mitigation strategies. Uh, Canada Beef is committed to delivering value to its cattle producer funders and stakeholders uh, during this time. And I thank you all for this opportunity to speak with you. That's it for the Prairie Ag Wire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. The Prairie Ag Wire will return Saturday on the Golden West Farm Network. And now for a look at your farm calendar. The Manitoba Sustainable Energy Association annual conference scheduled for April 8th in Morden has been postponed. The CAP Advisory Council meeting planned for April 9th in Portage La Prairie has been cancelled. The Verified Beef Production Plus webinars are being held Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock. These interactive webinars allow participants to view presentations as well as ask questions in real time. Pre-registration is required, so contact Melissa Atchison at 204-264-0294 or email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon, part two of my conversation with Alex Campbell talking about the Manitoba Agricultural Museum's interpretive press release series on homesteading. 
in the homesteading series, uh, one of the writers made uh, mention to this uh, this essay competition which ran in 1887 in the Northwest Farmers. So we went back and looked at it, and uh, we thought it's it's interesting. Uh, gives you uh, an idea of the attitudes uh, towards women back in the 1880s and uh, um, some some glimpse at uh, the homesteader's wife and what she went through and uh, a lot of a lot of occasions we just never think about uh, um, the work that these uh, ladies had to do and uh, the hardships they and, and you know, experienced while providing for the families. So, you know, everybody today thinks, oh, threshing was such a wonderful experience. But, you know, for the poor wife, you know, she's uh, got to feed uh, 10, 15 times, maybe 20 men. And uh, that's, at times, that's breakfast, lunch, and supper, and often a noon uh, afternoon um, tea break as well. There's a lot of hard work and uh uh, to get prepare all these meals and so on, and then work back in those days, uh, housework was was very difficult. Uh, a lot of manual labor, a lot of hard labor. Uh, we've got a collection of washing machines at the uh, at the museum, and um, basically, it's hard work. You've got to stand there. Uh, yes, it's a washing machine, but you're working on a five foot handle to make the agitator spin in the tub, and you're doing this for you know how many minutes at a time, I'm not too sure. Um, um, you know, Gasoline-powered washing machines came along later, which uh, you talk to uh, older people around, they can remember their grandparents in the kitchen of the house running a gasoline engine to power the washing machine <laughs> that's inside your house. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Carbon monoxide. <laughs> you know, today the people would be horrified, but... Uh, by the stands of the day, this was a, a big advance forward for the uh, poor housewife. Um, yeah. We found the it was uh, model farmer's wife uh, series an interesting peek at the attitudes uh, at the time, and um, um, so we thought it would be useful. And um, you know, today museums we need to move towards more of a you know, viral museum, and this is. We began running interpretive press releases, um, you know, a number of years ago, and uh, the um, and they've evolved over time. So if you looked at the first uh, releases that uh, we put out, it was basically on machinery, but uh, now we're trying to do um, to do other things, and the uh, the uh, the digital copies of the Norwest Farmer have been um, been a real goldmine for us. So hopefully the readers uh, find it interesting. We've had some very good feedback from readers who found the uh, found the series on homesteading quite uh, quite interesting. For more information, check out the Manitoba Ag Museum's website. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. And now for another look at your farm news today. The president of Egg Resource Company is offering his assessment of how the COVID-19 outbreak is impacting current commodity markets. Dan Bossy says we're seeing some countries stepping up and buying a little more. The Chinese are buying more soybeans. We're seeing a little better wheat trade into places like, uh, uh, let's call it the Mideast and North African countries as they look at increasing their security of food. 
though as I start to see data now, only Brazil is exporting at a very rapid pace. Other exporters are starting to slow down. Last week, Brazil exported a record 3.5 million metric tons of soybeans, 130 million bushels. That's a, a big, big number. We now have about 13 million metric tons of soybeans afloat to China. The Chinese have a big, uh, a big opportunity in the U.S. in terms of buying new crop soybeans, but I don't think, at least for the moment, they're going to back away from buying Brazilian soybeans as those exports are flowing rather normally. Long-term, Bossy notes all indications are the drop in crude oil prices will play a bigger role in future grain pricing than COVID-19. After a miserable year due to bad weather and trade wars, Manitoba farmers are wondering if the effects of COVID-19 will make it worse. Keystone Agricultural Producers is worried about labor availability for spring seeding. Normally, thousands of seasonal and temporary workers come to Canada to work in the agriculture industry. But CAP President Bill Campbell says if they don't get enough workers, it will have a big impact on farm operations. Ottawa has said migrant workers can still be hired, but must self-isolate for two weeks upon arrival. And feed supplies were varied across the province this winter as dry conditions last summer created vast hay shortages. John McGregor is the extension support person with Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. Guess on the positive side from what I have been hearing is due to the fact that this winter was a little bit uh, milder than uh, typical winters, uh, the cattle weren't eating as much feed and therefore those feed supplies uh, were stretched uh, a little bit further than normally we would expect. As for when to put cattle out to pasture this spring, McGregor recommends waiting until the growth is 6 to 8 inches tall, giving the roots a chance to replenish. And that was your farm news for today. I'm Candace Dirksen. And we've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email at thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. On behalf of producer Tim Friesen, I'm Candace Dirksen. Thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. We'll meet you back here Monday at 12 o'clock.